Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's a Friday. Good to be here with you. I'm Nadine Blaney, and this is The Call. Ten stocks that have been picked by you. One stock of the day. Two expert guests. 60 minutes. Okay, so it is May the 26th. Just to timestamp this for those of you who are watching this on Catch Up or listening to the podcast. And I have two guests with me in studio, and I'm really pleased to say it is Mark Gardner from Macro Capital Good and afternoon. Philip Pepe joining us from Sean Partners. Hello, Hello. gentlemen. So, Mark, you were saying in the break that this debt ceiling, you know, still not resolved. We're all hoping it would have been for many reasons. Yeah, the world's most unentertaining circus, I think. So, uh, you know, politicians grab their chance to, um, you know, get in front of the press. So, yeah, I look, hopefully we get a resolution. We've only got three working days left for them to come to an agreement, um, write a bill, get it passed. Uh, the Republicans are already saying they're... Um, you know, the, the, the date's wrong from Treasury, but um, yeah, well, I guess we will, um, more importantly, we've got some inflation data tonight as well, PCE, so it uh, into a US long weekend, so I'd probably expect this afternoon to be fairly risk-off in the ASX. It's had a pretty nice little bounce this morning um, after starting a little bit lower, so, but yeah, I think uh, there's a fair bit of, you know, those thin Asian um, futures, uh, future sessions for the US futures um, when they're on holiday, mm-hmm. if things happen over the weekend, they can get pretty pretty slippery to the downside. So, yeah, yeah why take on risk as you're why take to? on risk into, into and we've got that inflation read as well in the well, states tonight. Yeah, and I think last night, 2011, I think so they, the US got a copped a downgrade, which they've been it's on. I think Fitch has put the US on negative credit watch or something like that. But the downgrade actually happened on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know what's that? 12 years ago. I'm showing my age here a little bit, but. Um, so yeah, it's, it's probably a uh, any, anything you, you're not really sure of in your portfolio. Probably not a bad time to be uh, you know, taking some risk off the table, I guess. Yeah. All right. And uh, when we are over the debt ceiling, which most of market agree will be resolved in some way, shape, or form, mm. we'll go back to talking about interest rates, won't we? Oh yeah, fun stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, we've got uh, housing prices increasing. Had a good chat with Matthew Hassan from Westpac. So when you guys are all talking around the water cooler at Sean Partners, is it um, an assumption that we'll see another hike coming through? Well, we saw some retail sales data out this morning, preliminary data for April, uh, flat um, on month on month, but versus the PCP still up 4% Mm. with department stores and clothing still doing okay. So what I'm seeing high level we're not slowing. We're still spending. Housing prices are going up. We've had people talk about levered interest rate rises. People talk about rising costs of uh, fuel, um, you know, um, uh, heating, cost of living, etc. But people are still spending. Mm. We'll walk out to just outside, walk past the restaurants. They're full. So there's almost a denial out there that what this pain we're going through is temporary. There's still economists predicting an interest rate decline later this calendar year. I think some people are just trying to tough their way through it, thinking we'll, we'll struggle now, but things will get better by December. I think the RBA just has to keep keep mm-hmm. lifting because mm-hmm. with uh, inflation still well above the um, two to three percent, but 
theory says they've got to keep yeah. lifting and people, if people won't listen, they'll just keep... There's been a few cover, a stubborn core inflation rates as well, like UK, for instance, yeah, is still rising and, and I think Australian core is re, you know, pretty high relative to other countries and so that and that, that's a much more stubborn inflation generally. So, yeah, I mean, the central banks will get, you know, will, will cop a hiding, I guess, in the press, but realistically, I mean, people are going to, as Philip said, we, they've got to stop spending. We, we can't have... Um, we can't have it kept going on yeah. forever. Well, the RBNZ, when it paused this week, said that um, the the people in New Zealand have cooled their guns. You know, they've, mm. they've stopped um, you know spending to the same degree. But I do note that Super Retail's up today, Levisa's up today, KMD Brands, JB Hi-Fi. And uh, yeah, some of those in the consumer they're, discretionary space looking pretty good, actually. They've been in the, I think they've been in the laggards for yeah, all four days yeah. in a row this week, so a little bit of a bounce back. Yeah, but poor old Levisa, I think there's been no news. And really no, but I think it's sort of in sympathy. I mean, somebody told yeah. me earlier in the week that I was drawing a long bow because, you know, something like a city chic and a Levisa are so different, but... It's at a really know, high PE, yeah. so I guess, you know, that's that's the risk with those high PE stocks is that they can slip back. So um, it's because it, a, a part of that, you know, extra... Um, premium in the price is kind of confidence mm. in the market. So when the confidence dips, again, retail sales today weren't terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, north to 4% growth, depending on how you want to mm. define it. Not going backwards, not slowing down. No. And uh, travel was a bit of a theme this week as well. Um, travel stocks are looking good yet again today. Qantas, you know, yeah. saying that things are good. Webjet saying things are even better. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty incredible. It's a lot of pent up demand. People, mm. savings are up because uh, we've stayed home for two years and people are spending. Well, anyways, I could chat all day just generally about the market, but I do have a job that I've got to get on with. With uh, David Kosh, Kashi will be angry with me if I don't hold down the fort in his absence. The companies that we'll be chatting about today, um, look, uh, this is Wham. yeah, that's, Wham that's Capital. I don't second, have Wham Capital. That's the second half. Yeah, I've got Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. I've got uh, Bank of Queensland. I've got IVE and I've got Ample on my list. So let's fix that up, guys. But the stock of the day. Fisher and Paykel. All right, I chose this one today because it's, um, yeah, shares are really getting hit. It's actually one of the worst performers today, down by 4.3% as we talked just after the noon hour here in Sydney. So it has seen a, both a decline in profit and revenue for the FY23 year. Total profit after tax fell 34% to New Zealand, 250.3 million and operating revenue was down 6%. The group said market conditions are progressing to a more normal state after three financial years impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Interesting one, guys, because um, I was reading a note from City yesterday. Didn't Fisher and Paykel upgrade back in um, January? So they're saying, yeah, that they upgraded guidance for the year back in January. So perhaps that's why we're seeing, you know, such disappointment in market. Yeah, it was, um, It was. I think we had this about a month ago, Philip and yeah. I had this uh, same stock together oh, on the call. Think. So, um, and I think we both said hold or sell. So, um, because it was getting pretty expensive. And um, the second half results haven't been, they're not too bad, the first half. And then look, it, and it had a really significant rally from November. It's come from $16, got up to like 26. But I think when we were discussing, it was a PE of around about 70 and we both felt it was pretty expensive. Um, I'd sort of got out my, my clients out the, the prior week, which was around that $25 mark, and we're just waiting for the next time they update. Um, they haven't seemed to have found someone who can work 
PowerPoint. It's like the really dense document that's <laughs> like really hard to read. Um, you know, really, you know, I'm, I'm a bit wary of some companies that use too many infographics, but you know, one would be nice instead of having to um, to churn through. But uh, it's pretty dry reading. But they're um, so and and very little sort of you know very little outlook. It's very it's quite a clinical um, sort of update. So yeah, the the full year results not so good. But I think it's just it. I mean, it had an extraordinary rally. It's it's essentially almost rallied fifty percent out of its lows last last year. Like at the end, like November December last year. So. Um, and they've got a uh, they're having an investor presentation. Uh, they've got their Mexican operation, which is going to um, yeah, obviously a lot of their business goes into the US. But having the manufacturing um, in Mexico is going to reduce a lot of their um, issue. Well, you know what used to be supply chain issues, but um, but you know transport costs and things because most of this stuff gets sold into the US. So, um, but yeah, it's I would say at the moment um, I'd be wanting. I'd be looking at it maybe towards the $20 mark because healthcare obviously does pretty well in the, in the environment we're coming up to. Um, and yeah, just pretty yeah, so, solid quality business. I'm pretty thankful to, to, have, to have sold out yeah, when it got okay. a bit expensive. And maybe the PE back around between 40 and 50 is sort of where it is mid-range um, and go from there. What do you think, Philip? Look, it had a good run into the result, and I think analysts were expecting an even greater FY24. I think FY23 was there or thereabouts, maybe a slight miss versus consensus on the second half. But the outlook statement uh, for FY24 is disappointed. Mainly, it looks to me like at the gross profit level, just the costs are higher. So revenue, basically in line with what analysts were thinking, it's just costing them more to deliver. So you'll probably see a um, consensus forecast come down for FY24 in what was a stock that was priced, not for perfection, but priced for growth. Um, and the market doesn't like a downgrade. So I think what you're seeing today is people saying, well, it's hard for stocks who are downgrading to outperform. So people are, are taking profits or, you know, just mm-hmm. trading out something yeah. that's more uh, more reasonably priced. So it's probably going to struggle for the next few days while people reweight. Um, although it looks fair value versus current consensus, you'll probably see valuations come down the next mm-hmm. 24 to 48 hours and share price follow that down. After which it probably stabilises for a while. Yeah, in broader weakness, it, it like I, we we probably bought a little bit too early about a year ago or so, and we were sort of scaling it on the way down. And I can tell you that stock gets pretty scary to the downside when there's broader market weakness. Sometimes we were I was really surprised how um, you know how how much it was able just to 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 head sort of head down. So. Be, um, I'd probably recommend if you're liking the stock, you just just try probably get in 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 um, increments. You know, increments rather than you know trying to pick a, a price and you know you're either right or you're wrong because it, it can it can trade outside of um, fair value on both sides of the scale, so you may end up getting it cheaper and um, or a lot cheaper sometimes. It was you know that that move down to sixteen last year was was quite frightening from about twenty about twenty eight dollars or something in it in a very short period of time. So you would uh, not be buying it. You'd wait for it to I get wouldn't, cheaper. I wouldn't buy it today. I'll, okay. I'll sit on my hands. All right. Yeah. Let's get on to the list of stocks that have been nominated by our viewers. Remember, this is information only. This is not financial advice. So, look, I've got on my list, which is what we're going for, which is what has been planned, was Ben to go in Adelaide Bank. Right, guys? Like, that's what um, I have. Wham first. first. Do we have wham? Yeah, I must have first. skipped that one. Yeah. I'm wrong. I apologize. <laughs> Wham! Capital. This is for Clara. I don't know what's happened in my notes. Uh, let's start with you, Philip. Wham! 
Look, I'm going to call it a buy. Uh, it's a quality fund manager. It's trading at around about its NTA of $1.50, $1.51, so you're not overpaying. Uh, when analysing any fund manager, look at the long-term track record uh, since it was founded uh, in August 1999. Uh, it's delivered 15% per annum since inception versus an index of about 8.3. So very market conditions they've delivered. For those who just want to outsource um, their investments, put their money in a fund, uh, it's a quality investment. Um, Jeff and his team do a great job. Uh, it's almost set and forget. You don't have to worry about what's mm. happening in the US or what's happening with interest rates outsourced to a fund. Good track record. Um, I, I'm going to call it a buy. Understand it will move up and down with equity markets. Its uh, share price will move uh, and AV will move around uh, with the broader market. If we get bad news next week out of the US, there is extra short-term volatility, but quality investment uh, around about NAV. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll call it a buy. It's a buy. We've got a buy to start this hour. Would you concur? Uh, yeah, look, it, it is a quality um, you know, investment house. Uh, I think I've sort of looked at previous um, rate transitions, which are a long, a long time ago. Um, and I think WAM was probably had a lot less funds under management at that stage. So it's... Um, but they do quite well in ter- and they did quite well in turning markets and relative performance, um, particularly in rate cycles. So, yeah, they are trading a little bit of a discount um, to uh, to you know net asset value. Um, got some really good names in there. Um, we've got uh, Life Three Sixty. There's PWH. There's Hub Twenty Four. Fish and Pocket Health's actually in there. Um, Webjet. Um, so Next DC. So there's some quite decent names they've got in their portfolio. Um, they do, they're quite a high uh, allocation, 20% in this portfolio to consumer discretionary, which makes me, I'd probably call it just a hold at this stage. Um, and, but look, you'd be buying, buying dibs, particularly if, you know, if, you're not want to act, if you're not wanting to actively manage your portfolio. They're, you know, they're a high quality fund manager and you know, it's because of their, their steady performance and our performance, they're unlikely to have those, um, you know, the redemptions is what really kills fund managers quite a lot. So, um, and, and there seems to be quite a lot of market confidence in Jeff and the team. So, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I'd call it a hold for now, um, but based on, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned mm-hmm. about the, the next sort of three months for the broader market, but I'd be happy to be buying dips. Thank you. All right, let's get to Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. I'm going to stick to script as per <laughs> what's coming up on my screen. All right, um, Bendigo recently was upgraded to buy from a neutral by City. It's got a neutral rating from Macquarie. It's been downgraded, though, to sell from a neutral by UBS. Um, Philip, what would your call for Bendigo and Adelaide Bank be? I'm going to call it a hold. I mean, it's, it's underperformed, so I, I wouldn't sell it now. Um, the, the smaller banks are at a pretty significant disadvantage from the large banks in terms of cost of funding. However, we've seen just in the last few days, the majors are all starting to be less aggressive in chasing home loans. They're taking away their cash back. They're increasing interest rates. I think it's Westpac cycle. today. Westpac also yeah. increasing. Yeah, so we're three rates. of the larger, larger yeah. players um, saying, hey, we're not growing just for the sake of growing. So let's be a bit more rational. So that gives them a little bit of breathing space. Bad debts are holding off okay. Um, so, you know, we know, we know, we believe credit growth will slow, has been slowing. We were talking earlier, um, property values are still rising despite 11 interest, interest rate rises are still going up. There's still a willingness for people wanting to borrow. Um, default rates are still relatively low. There's been a lot of negativity in the share price. What, what's of interest to me is um, 
with, with Suncorp trying to sell its bank uh, banking bit to um, ANZ. Is A Triple C who pointed to Bendigo and, and BAQ saying, "Hey, why doesn't someone have a look at these guys?" So, is there an incentive out there for someone to merge with the two of them? Um, I wouldn't bet on that, but you'd think maybe they are vulnerable to some industry consolidation. So that's why I wouldn't call them a sell. Um, but if I was going to buy a bank, I wouldn't rush out and buy one of the regionals. I'd play one of the major mm-hmm. ones. Uh, so I think a lot of negativities in the share price. So I'm going to call it a hold. And I'm comforted by what the majors are doing, saying, well, let, let's grow profitably, not just chase, chase growth, which will give them a little bit of breathing space. So I'll call it a hold. Yeah, I'm look. Regional banks, you know, haven't had a great time of it lately. Um, I think we, you know, I would normally say sell, but I'm going to go hold um, just on the basis that they've fallen back a bit. This is probably a decent mar- more margin of safety than you regularly get. Um, look, they're comparable to my my sort of favourite picks. So, I mean, CBA for instance, um, and look, there's a smaller cap judo which we, we we've got positions in at the moment. Um, you know. Net interest margins lower at 1.74 um, versus sort of to around 2% for CBA and Judo. Um, non-performing loans are higher uh, as well, so we almost double the non-performing loans of both of those entities. Um, it's actually quadruple in the case of Judo, and their um, tier one risk um, adjusted capital ratio is you know at 11 percent which is heap much lower than the than the um you know 14 percent for cba and the 20 percent for judo so i think there's two better options that are you know one one's of growth which you would obviously allocate smaller size to in mm-hmm. judo but then in cba it looks cheaper to me and and it tends to do better in, in the majors so um obviously not as good a dividend yield um mm-hmm. but banking sector broadly i think I think you'll get a really good opportunity at some stage in the next few months to get these things a little bit lower. The the selling is probably already in the regionals already. I, I don't think they'll probably come back as as hard mm-hmm. um, because it's they've been painted with the US brush yeah. of the regionals, but and which is completely unfair. Um, so yeah, but, but look, it yields pretty well if you're a long term holder, uh, a long term investor. You know, I think they'll do well. Okay. So there we go. That's a hold for Bendigo. And I think we can keep the next one quite short mm. because there's not a lot to add, is there? I mean, you mentioned the regionals. Bank of Queensland, would you prefer that over Bendigo and Adelaide Bank or is it also a hold? Um, it's also a hold, basically. It's very, very similar statistics, but Bank of Queensland looks to be a little bit more a little bit more expensive um, in terms of a PE. But um, yeah, I... He still uh, likes judo in a nutshell. Judo, yeah. judo and CBA <laughs> seem cheaper to me in the yeah. sector and you can get... A little bit of mix of growth, and obviously your your um, you know your, your mm-hmm. large cap. Would you be buying Bank of Queensland for any reason other than? I would still call it a hold. Okay. I would prefer Bendigo over BOQ. You would, okay. Very slightly, but I would avoid both of them uh, for now. Yeah. But I just think the negativity is in the price, okay. and the future should get better for them. It's I, just, I, I it's agree, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the future will get better for them in the second half, but the, we need that yield curve to get back into positive territory and that'll help the net interest margins for everyone. Okay, so that is Bendigo and Adelaide Bank for John and that was Bank of Queensland for Wyatt. Thanks guys for writing in (coughs) and um, don't forget that you too can request companies at osbiz.co forward slash the call. We'll put it up on the screen a little bit later, later, excuse me, in the program. So this is IVE Group next on the list for Joseph. IGL though is its ticker code, so not confusing at all. Mm. Um, IVE, well, what does it actually do? It's like sort of a marketing company, isn't it? 
Yeah, there's talk in the investor presentation about digital marketing and things, but it's mainly print um, yeah. catalogs and things like that. Yeah. yeah okay. um, which obviously, you know, if the scenario, if we get a soft landing, these guys should do fairly well. If we get a hard landing, they're going to be extraordinarily cyclical. Um, yeah. So, yeah, look, I mean, revenue by sector is very much in that, I think 24% in that um, white good and electronics sort of area. And, and look, they're the, those big ticket items would be the ones that suffer the most, I suppose. Um, and retail's 46%. So uh, they do have a little bit of government in there, but not a, not a hell of a lot. Um, but yeah, I, this is extraordinarily cyclical. I Look, it's not a bad company um, at, by any means. And um, it's got a relatively good dividend yield and it has been a fairly consistent performer, but I, I, I would just say it's a hold for now. And I think you'll probably get better prices as the, as the data sort of mm-hmm. uh, weakens, you know, as the rate hikes start to bite and, you know, in the next sort of quarter or two. I agree. Look, catalogs work. It's, it's been proven for a long time that catalogs work. People like them. Not, not everyone considers them junk mail. Nearly half their revenue base is retail. As retail sales come off, retailers spend less on advertising. We've seen some of the outdoor advertising get hit already. We've seen some TV advertising come off. Uh, if we get weakness in supermarkets, discretionary retail, so I think JB Hi-Fi, Harvey Norman, etc., mm-hmm. um, they'll see their revenue come off. They're, they're mm-hmm. not immune from um, a cyclical downturn in the retail sector. They're almost... If if you're negative retail, don't touch this stock. Um, it's a great performer, has a dominant market position, pays a good dividend yield. So I'm not calling it a sell. I'll call it a hold. Just bear in mind, uh, if you're bearish, I mean, as we said earlier, retail sales are still going up. Uh, yeah. If you're bearish retail, these guys will get hit. Uh, I'm not that bearish, uh, but I think they're pretty much fairly priced. I'll call it a hold. It's not a screaming buy. Mm-hmm. So I'll call yeah. it a hold mainly because of the divvy and because of their dominant market position. Um, it's, it's a hold, not, yeah, a, not a buy. One of those ones I'd seriously consider if they get, if they, if they're maybe thrown out with the bathwater yeah. sort of stuff, like that dividend yield and that consistency. And because it would be cheaper advertising than, you know, your big ticket TV ads or your um, outdoor yeah, advertising. Yeah, I was also wondering just when Philip was saying that, I mean, people do promote a lot when, you know, sales are slowing and when they've got inventory to push you know to move that yeah that cheaper being that cheaper option may actually Mm. help them garner some market some market share potentially because they are trying to push a little bit into digital um but it doesn't look like it's a huge amount of their revenue at the moment they're still that's their staple business but they're yeah i'm i hadn't really looked at it before and it it looked really solid well they have the advantage that they can do local advertising so Mm. if you're a particular retailer particular food retailer in a particular suburb with a demographic you can tailor so it's not tv advertising that's the same for everybody mm. so there are some advantages to using print over um, uh, yeah. digital media um, but again the interest interest rates will keep going up until we stop spending and they're not immune for um, from their clients having revenue go backwards yeah i always wonder who prints the um aldi catalogs because you know you get one every time you walk into the store and yeah, I, I don't recall. Like, they had a list of their clients. I yeah, thought no, I'd snipped I, it here, but I don't have it. But I, I, I don't recall them being on there, but they had some really, they had some big customers yeah. on there, McDonald's and all sorts. Anyhow, I digress. I just know that those Aldi catalogs are well read in my house. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get to the next on the list, and that is Ample. So, uh, yeah, we've got a lot going on here. The brokers, generally speaking, uh, like it. So, you know, the quarter came in line. We're seeing a, a recovery of domestic volumes coming through. Um, and it's got many segments. So, Philip, what do you make of Empol? 
Look, I, I still think it's a COVID recovery trade. We're still not driving as much as we used to, particularly in Victoria. Uh, as volumes, uh, as people continue to return to their vehicles and people returning to the office, seeing some of the major banks now ordering their, their staff back to work um, for a lot more than they have been, we're just going to drive more. Um, and although we're flying, well, we're flying more, so fuel mm-hmm. demand as well. So as demand for fuel um, goes up, fuel refinery goes up in proportion and they've got retail as well which puts more whether retail goes up or not they should be able to regain some market share just through extra foot traffic so for me it's still a good uh, post-covid reopening trade that we're not back at um, pre-covid levels of um, uh, of usage so for me i'm going to call it a buy because uh, yeah i just like the theme i think it's uh it's stronger for long it's probably got at least another year or two to play out in terms of getting back to pre-covid numbers uh, in terms of traffic for one of a better phrase so I, I like it um, I, I think it's a buy it's a buy yep. and um, also the dividend yield do you like the dividend yield it's good. I think that Macquarie um, has said that there's even the potential for a special divvy at some point it's uh, as of this morning it's on a 7.1% dividend yield so if there's a potential special then that's pretty good that's, pretty that's a pretty good starting point yeah, it's. I, I agree. Yeah, it's a buy for me as well. There, it's sort of cheap in the sector too. Um, Woodside, you know, it's still I think still pretty pretty high. I mean, it's not. They're not like for like no, businesses. No, no. But don't get me wrong. But the. Um, but they're you know they're they're involved in refining jet fuel as well, and obviously the travel sector is doing quite well. Um, and I think yeah we will we will see you know people driving more etc. I think they're uh, increasing efficiencies in their retail in the retail part with their um, with the service stations and things like that. So it um, they like a. They seem to have a really solid plan as well, and things seem to be improving. And there's efficiencies coming in. It's not. It's not on, a, on an expensive PE by any means, around sort of ten. So, and it's got a great dividend yield. So, I think it it may you know cyclicals may um, you know may pull it back, but. Um, but overall, I think you'd probably be buying into weakness. I'd be happy to have this. You know, they've um, they've improved metrics pretty consistently for you know about three years straight. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to call this one a buy. Yeah, that's our first double buy, as we call them, of the day, and that's actually number five on the list as well. So let's just um, let the guys take a break, <laughs> and I will revisit what we've learned thus far. Um, starting with the stock of the day, which is Fisher and Paykel. So um, both of my guests, uh, yeah, just wouldn't be buying this one. I think it was a hold from both. But Mark reckons you're going to be able to get it cheaper. It's happened before where you can get it even potentially a lot cheaper. I think he said he would start looking at around $20. Um, look, Philip reckons it's pretty fair value, right? Um, but it's yeah. it's a hold for you. You wouldn't be jumping in now. No. Got it. Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, it's a hold for both of my guests, but they do think that the pain is already in the price. Um, Mark has long preferred Judo Bank in the space. Today, he threw in CBA as well, and that would be his preference. Um, Look, Philip just points to slowing credit growth, so you need to be cognizant of that, and that Bendigo and Adelaide Bank has underperformed. He does, though, prefer that one mildly, slightly, above Bank of Queensland, which is also a hold for him. Um, look at the dynamics out there in the economy. We've got uh, the Bank of Queensland at hold, but you do like the fact that banks are going for growth and not growth at any cost. Profitable growth. Yeah, yeah. profitable growth. Growth. IVE Group, it's very cyclical in Mark's view, but he would hold it. It's actually a pretty good business, pretty good dividend yield. Um, but Philip says, you know, bear in mind retail sales and where most expect them to head, even though today's data was relatively resilient. 
Um, if the data remains resilient, keep in mind the, uh, the RBA will keep hiking or be forced to. And Paul, it's a buy from both of my guests and you did just hear why. And I forgot to do Wham Capital because for some reason it wasn't on my list. Wham is a hold for Mark. He says it's a quality investment has, but you probably will be able to get it cheaper. Philip, it's a buy for him. He thinks it's fair value. Long-term track record is good. It's a quality in that space if you're of the mind to let somebody else manage your money and your investments. Okay, so there we go. That brings us to the portfolio. We are almost at new investment committee meeting time. So, uh, and Paul, if it's not already in there, and I'm just giving it a little look-see. Nope, they'll be discussing Ample, thanks to these guys, at the next meeting. Um, look, that's how it stood heading into May. 1% was trimmed from Macquarie, West Farmers and Elders. We added to Wise Tech Global, MA Financial and the cash position. And we put Calcium Group in there. So performance so far up by about 8% on a cumulative return basis since the fund's inception. So again, you know, keep those, keep those requests coming in. We'll keep discussing it on this program. And then the investment committee acts as that final filter before it goes into the Ausbiz portfolio. See if I can get it right this time. Coming up in this next half hour, we've got Altium, we've got Meta Group, we've got Romilius Resources, we have Circo, which reported last week, and Sezzle. And we've had a bit of movement on the buy now, pay later space here in Australia, although Sezzle is primarily leveraged to the US. Okay, let's get going, shall we? With my guests, Philip Pepe from Sean Partner and Mark Gardner from Macro Capital. Who should I go to first, Philip? You. Adrian is asking about Altium. Many say this is a very quality tech company in Australia. Tech in the States going gangbusters to start the year. Um, what do you think of Altium? It's a high quality company. It uh, produces software that makes printed circuit boards. It's in the right space, it's in a growth space. Uh, it's in multiple countries. It has pricing power. A lot of reasons to mm. like it. Uh, it's had a very good run. You can see the spike. Uh, it's now basically at fair value um, on consensus estimates. It pays a negligible dividend yield, 1.4%. So for me, uh, it's a great company. A lot of the good news is in the price. You can see it's almost at, a, at its 12-month high there. Um, certainly not a reason to sell it, but I wouldn't chase it at this price. It's a tech company that's performing. If you're going to look at tech, look at profitable tech, look at someone like them who has pricing power. Uh, I just wouldn't chase it at the moment because I think it is fully priced in the market that's cheap and may well get cheaper. Mm. Uh, if we get some bad news next week, we might see some of, uh, well, all stocks will get sold off. But quality company at the right price, you want to own it. It's fully priced at the moment. No, no, no reason to chase it, but great mm -hmm. business. Okay. Yeah, I, not much to add to that really. They're, they're net, I mean, their net margins are twenty five percent. They've got huge pricing power. Um, super impressive business, um, and in the right sector. Um, my worry is, you know, we've had a largely a ten percent rally in the Nasdaq on you know very very sort of forward speculative AI um, froth essentially. And um, look, I mean, if these guys bring out an AI release next week, it probably jumps 30%. But you know, it seems to be the way of things at the moment. Um, but I, I really think that, you know, that NASDAQ as it stands, um, it's, it's getting a, a, a little bit silly based on, on products that revenue is a very long way away. So I think that the tech, that tech index, which will 
obviously influence Altium is is fairly vulnerable to the downside, um, particularly. And we've got US. I think it, it hasn't been really mentioned much, but US two year yields have rallied quite considerably, like nearly fifty basis points in the last week and a half. Like I think, um, and the the Nasdaq's just ignoring it. And we're you know we're we're at you know fairly decent um, two month highs. Basically, it was it's back around I think um, yeah four point three five or something. We're at we're at five obviously before the regional banking crisis hit, um, and it just keeps grinding higher. So if uh, at some stage that's going to you know, people are going to start looking at again if it gets if it breaks through that four four fifty and we. Um, and and you know the the tech companies don't get that result. So, but Altium, I mean, it's everything. It, it ticks up a hell of a lot of boxes. Um, but I, I, I just call it a hold for now. If you've got it, um, I think it'll it'll. You, if you you'd be happy to hold it, you don't need to be selling it. But uh, you yeah, I'm just worried about them. Worried about this uh, this AI um, flurry at the moment that it may not may disappoint people when the actual results come out in a few months' time. I am, um, gosh, I wish I could find it. Who was I looking at on Twitter who was saying, look, this this, this seems like panic buying. It does. When you it's, think of that absolutely. NVIDIA, you know, leg up that it's inspired sort of across the AI space there. Yeah, and it was, a, I mean, for some companies, because NVIDIA had jumped 26% on a forecast, was like, yeah. I mean, maybe 5 or 10%, but not not 26 It seems to be, um, yeah, it seems to be, yeah, I think it's a perfect so, term for a panic he, buy. Yeah, here it is. Um, who in their right mind, this is Kenny Polcari, he joins us a lot here on the program. He says, who in their right mind would be paying up 25% for any stock in one day? Not somebody who's already long, not someone who's considering going long. Shorts have, oops, can't say that on air, um, oh. <laughs> are, are, yeah, and this is panic buying, not thoughtful buying. Mm. Wait for it to fill the gap. Yeah, that level of institutional shorts was always a big worry for me in the market from about a month ago. It was the highest level of short in the short from Instos um, since 2008, I believe. So, I, you know, I'm bear, I was bearish, but I, I, I really didn't think that it would unfold necessarily this month because it's just the market never. If everyone's set up for it, it never, it never happens. And this, I think, this has been a bit of a squeeze to the upside um, because people have been probably selling into this the whole way up and just getting continually stopped out to the upside. And uh, you can't help but see all the Twitter sphere just ribbing. I love to hate um, Arc Investments, Kathy Wood, but she sold out all of her Nvidia. Um, oh, poor, so, yeah, I, feel, you know, I kind of feel sorry yeah. for the the, uh, the hate squad got they, more fuel just, there. Yeah, <laughs> tons of fuel. And also um, Jim Cramer because uh, he called NVIDIA basket case and told everybody to sell it not too long ago as well. Well, the inverse Cramer. <laughs> yeah, the inverse yeah. Cramer holds true. Um, look, uh, I don't want to go too far off piss, but I think that it's worthwhile in this AI conversation because, you know, Obviously, some viewers have written in saying, how, like, what locally listed companies can we get in on this? Um, Appen today, coincidentally, which has been such a beleaguered company, is holding its AGM. So the chair and the CEO obviously out there talking up its AI cred. And uh, I do note, even though Appen has been a terrible performer looking to raise capital, um, it's up by 2% today. So perhaps there's a little bit of that enthusiasm creeping into Appen. Brain Chips, another one. They had their AGM uh, this week. Early in the week. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's a thing. It's AI, yeah, AI not for week. me, but um, I'm, I'm happily uh, sitting this one out. I'm happily sitting it out, I'm, and we've got we've got you know a little bit of the short Nasdaq ETF on as a hedge. So I just yeah, right. I don't really 
I don't really think that it, it's going to be sustainable. Um, but I, look, I'm not not so, I'm not excited. It's not that I'm not excited by it necessarily. I just don't think it's going to produce the results that the market's going to want. Do you need to understand it'll take a while? It won't yeah, happen overnight. Absolutely. So when stocks start getting pricing in for overnight success, that's when you want to let some go. When they start getting priced in for default and they're not really going to default, that's when you get the up 30% mm. in a day because people realise, oh, no, they're actually not, not going broke. I shouldn't short them. So I mean, Turn back the clock 40 years. Microsoft's the leader at the moment so it, um, and Google's lagging. So, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all, it, yeah, all, very, all very speculative at this stage. Yeah, okay. Well, look, there you go. Altium, the verdict was, I think it was a hold. Yes, it was a hold from both of my guests, um, but a quality company, Mater Group. So I've been told time and time again, this is a pretty quality operator in its um, area of expertise. Phil, tell us about Mater and what you think of it. Couldn't be any more different to AI. It is uh, a repair and maintenance company for heavy mobile equipment engineering. We we like the space. And still Um, still founder-led. Still founder-led, majority uh, shareholder uh, remains... uh, uh, forget his f- first name, uh, Mr. Mater remains dominant shareholder in the business. Uh, quality company delivering um, in, in multiple countries. Infrastructure projects um, are still growing in Australia and globally. They're not all interest rate impacted and they're all government funded. Um, many are actually private sector funded. Uh, they're taking, uh, they're using up a lot of equipment. That equipment, again, we've had um, supply chains improve, but you still can't you know, the equipment that sits on top of a boat as opposed to inside a tray still takes a while um, to be delivered. Demand for repair and maintenance is strong and probably stronger for longer. We think it's stronger for longer. So quality company delivering, you can see the share price performance, uh, right, uh, good Gosh, company in the right good to sector. get in at the IPO, wouldn't it? And, and that is the one negative. It's now trading in line with analysts' forecast, pays virtually no dividend. It's possibly come an upgrade, so I wouldn't rush out and sell it. But in terms of valuation, uh, the good news is pricing. People are backing it. It's probably a market where you don't want to sell your winners. Um, there's no reason for to, to jump off these guys. I'd call it a back foot buy. I'm sure it covers it. We like it. We think it's a buy. It's almost at our price target, but not quite. Uh, I, I, I think this is new terminology. I don't know what to do with this. Back foot buy? Back foot buy. Okay. As in, uh, don't chase it aggressively okay. at this price. Uh, if, it, if, if, if you get some potentially negative market news tomorrow, market falls, buy this one. Um, Did you make that up or is that an industry term, back foot buy? No, I made it up. Oh, good. Well, it might be, but I'm, <laughs> I, like, I'm, I'm happy I like to run it. with it. I'm, I'm going to start, start, I'm start using trademark it. So. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, trademark it, Phil. Yeah. That's yours. I'll give it to you. But great company, right space, uh, well run, um, management aligned with other shareholders. There's a lot of reasons to like yeah. it. Um, um, Mark, just on a point before we get to Meta Group. So Philip said that now, because I know that our viewers really like a bit of strategy as well, now is not the time necessarily to sell your winners. No reason to sell your winners now. Would you agree? Uh, it, well, I mean, it depends, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Probably not in healthcare and probably not in your... Um, and uh, you know, consuming in those defensive sectors necessarily, um, we we've, we've been sort of trimming and going back to cash and had a little bit of a wait and see attitude. I mean, with Mata particularly, um, our research department. I've, I'm just going to go off because yeah. they nailed this. Uh, they bought it back in November, and we recently hit price target at four seventy two. So somewhere around the two dollars eighty mark or three dollars that they they recommended the trade. So 
given that they've done such a good job, but they, but they, I asked them this morning. They said they can't wait to get back in, basically. So there, but you know, they, when they, I thought they thought it was pretty optimistic when they were buying just below three bucks that they'd get to you know four dollars seventy two in such a short period of, um, in such a short time frame. So, sorry, um, so are they trimming profit? No, no, no. Oh. We we hit price target, which is only about twelve cents below here or, or thereabouts. Um, but yeah, as I said, I we got out. I think about it looks like about three weeks ago. So yeah, but they are chomping at the bid to get back in. So I guess a back foot buy, if you want to call it that. Um, they're of the same view. They love the company, um, but we uh, just with the you know the in-house broader market outlook. It's you know when we hit a price target, we're, we're happy to get we take it. I guess, but so because um, we we sort of believe. So then to get back in, it would have to come back to. Uh, that was, I think they were talking about the round about the 200 day moving average. It was about three, somewhere between $384 generally, I think, which was an old low uh, when they had earnings in March, about 360, $380. It does seem to move around quite a bit. Um, yeah, so somewhere between, yeah, around the 380 mark, I think, for us at, at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been very kind to us. It's, mm. And it's a fantastic company. Good. All right. I like hearing people making some money out there. All right. Let's get to the next company. And that was for Nicholas, by the way. Nicholas, thanks for watching. Um, information only, not financial advice, particularly when we're making up terms like back foot by, but there you go. <laughs> uh, let's get to Remelius. This is for Jessica. Um, so it's a gold miner, um, gold price came back um, just most recently, but um, you know, there's every time there's sort of a flare up of this uncertainty, we do see the gold price doing very well. A lot of these Aussie gold producers are making a lot of money. Do you like Vermilius? Uh, probably not the favorite in the sector. Um, and look, I'm sort of, I, I'm, I'm not much of a gold bug um, in general. I've had to come to a compromise with my clients and we've settled on silver because it has a much higher industrial um, usage rate at around about 58%. It's also getting used um, quite a lot in solar, 11% of the demand from solar. It still benefits from the store of value, and there is a gold um, gold to silver ratio because um, they will they do track each other very very closely. Uh, where silver is pretty much the cheapest in relation to gold for a very long time, um, so that's the compromise I've had uh, with the clients on this one. Um, for the guys in the office that do like gold, um, we do run different model portfolios, so um, they prefer gold road and. Um, and they've uh, they've got a small portion to it. Um, silver's a little bit difficult. Uh, we, it's hard just, to get exposure to silver. It is. So the silver mines, obviously, which is small cap. So we've just gone for the, um, the it's called ETP MAG. It's a global X ETF. It's just physical silver uh, ETF. So it's no, there's no mining projects involved. It's it's pretty much silver price go up, the ETF will go up with it essentially. So um, I'm just trying to keep it pretty simple. Um, but you know, I, for the same reasons, that store of value trade where you know it's essentially, if we have a credit downgrade and we have uh, you know the US gets downgraded from a credit rating, I mean gold's obviously going to go through the roof and silver will follow um, during the GFC. Silver lagged initially and then dramatically outperformed gold um, in during that period when there was that. Um, sort of flight to safety. So yeah, that was, the, as I said, that was the compromise I've come to. But well, remind Remelius me why you don't bit, like gold again, sorry. I kind of, it's it feels like crypto for an older generation to me. It's doesn't, there's 
no, it's not used for anything realistically except for a, a store of value, which is, um, you know, economic history. Countries have backed their currencies with all sorts of things, um, from barley to tobacco to rum. You know, so like I, it's it doesn't get. Big. I don't like the fact that there's no demand for it from an industrial standpoint. There's it's like eleven percent, uh, something like that. So. As long as everyone's on the same page and they they all believe that gold's a store, gold's valuable, then yes, the trade works. But realistically, if if gold if that if that entire thesis falls apart, I mean, there's going to be no underlying demand for it. So I'd, I'd rather obviously mm, silver. Go yeah, <laughs> Bitcoin for old people. Bitcoin for old people. <laughs> not, I don't want to look at anyone in the room here. <laughs> I would have gone with tulips, but hey, we can go uh, gold. You forget about Indian wedding season where yeah. the gold price tends to rise. Yeah. Oh, we, right. uh, we like gold as a house. We like remedies. We have it as a buy. Uh, commodity price, commodities like this, stocks like this do follow the commodity price. So gold's been a bit weak. So share price been a bit weak. It's important to look at their production costs. Their cash costs are around about just under 1900 Aussie dollars per ounce. So even with the current um, US dollar price of 19 US, 1900 US per ounce, they're making money. Mm. It's important that they don't move from profits to loss because of the fall in the gold price. They're still profitable. So if we do get um, a flight, you know, flight to safety or the gold price rallying, you'd expect this company to rally in proportion. So it is in part a hedge, in part a good mm. investment. We think it's a good investment in absolute terms. Uh, love to see the, the gold price above $2,000 an ounce uh, if that's where we get back to having been there a week ago yeah. uh, we think this stock will, will run mm-hmm. yeah, in, in sympathy uh, so we like it absolute and if we get some nervous next week this will probably outperform on yeah. that's a very short term view but we like it on a long term view mm-hmm. as well we back tested gold price as well like so top of the rate cycle is statistically the be- one of the best times to buy gold um, as well as obviously geopolitical or black swan events and things like that so given that you've got maybe two potentially happening at the same time if you're ever going to do it probably now yeah okay he says reluctantly yes. anyhow um let's get to the next <laughs> on the list so this is an interesting one it's uh poor jack hi jack and it's circo so circo reported last week it's a new zealand tech company that's leveraged to the travel space so obviously you know it's been a bit of a a bit of a beat up uh, over the past year as we've seen interest rate rises. A lot of these companies that were going for growth, as we say over and over again, just, you know, have been absolutely battered. But it's got a JV with Booking.com. And Philip, we started out this program by talking about the fact that we've got this really hot demand for travel. And it's not just here, it's overseas. I was reading something about, you know, the Las Vegas airport and, you know, the exponential stress that's being put on the system because of everybody traveling. So would you back a company like Circo? I, I think it's a buy. So um, we use it at Sharon Partners. It's a booking, it's a whatif.com for corporates, yeah. basically. It's a travel booking portal. It works pretty well. I've used it myself. You can see um, the travel industry continues to surprise people. We saw a Qantas trading update yeah. uh, earlier in the week. People are wondering how long will it last. This stock was almost forgotten because we're used to seeing um, mums and dads retail wanting to travel uh, with the world reopening. Uh, this is uh, almost a pure play, or this corporate travel, but a pure play um, insight into what corporates are doing. You can see the spike in demand uh, that they demonstrated early in the week. So corporates are also returning to travel just as well as individuals are. Now, how long will it last? We are still at full employment. 
uh, and we're still, in terms of my my experience in my own industry, we're still moving away from virtuals, from Zooms, back to physical meetings. And as they, um, as we get back to pre-COVID levels of um, meeting with people, having said that Zoom um, virtuals are here to stay, you probably see these businesses continue to do well. So. Uh, we've, we've probably got at least another 12 months of that, especially, you know, you've seen the banks recall staff back to the office. That means more physical meetings. That means no longer virtual traveling to meet with mm-hmm. people. So we actually think uh, we actually like this travel space, both corporate um, and retail. So I'm going to call the buy because, you know, that that surprised the market last week, but uh, early in the week. But I don't think we're done yet. I think there's mm-hmm. um, still stronger for longer on the demand for or the recovery in the travel space. It's just not. Well, um, Macquarie has upgraded it to outperform in the wake of that result. It's a buy at City. Ordmanet has a buy on it as well because it is, it's another way to play this travel thematic if you, if you don't want to, mm. or thinking we may have been peaking, you know, when it comes to Qantas. Yeah, our preferred um, exposure in the travel space is corporate travel, um, yeah. CTD. So, um, and the more I sort of looked into this, the more I was sort of thinking why, you know, a very cashed up corporate travel might take advantage of a low price maybe in this overall. Um, so uh, obviously with win winning some pretty big contracts recently with the UK government. But yeah, it um, look, it's not, it's cash flow neutral was expected around 2025. So yeah, whilst I, look, I'm, I do like the company and I do like the look of their product um, and I, I think they're expanding in all the right, um, you know, in all the right ways. Um, it's probably, I don't, I don't see any significant uplift um, until they get back towards or, or, uh, that cash flow um, neutral sort of position um, in, a, in about a year. But, but also, like I said, it's, it, I was really impressed with, you know, what they're doing and the software. Um, you know, like I said, I think if you're one of those big travel companies, might be taking advantage on a long-term basis. You'd be taking advantage of, you know, maybe pricing this thing up. So, mm-hmm. but I, I, we don't trade off the back of potential takeover ideas, yeah, yeah. but that immediately came to mind that you know it was a fantastic product. It just it probably could have just done with two more years of low interest rates to probably get yeah. to get to where it was, and and you know, and not having COVID, obviously. So. Yeah, agreed. It, it may well be a, a takeover target. Um, but I just think it'll deliver decent organic growth for mm. oh, how do you say, two years. Um, yeah. There's not. I mean, they don't. If you compare them to say Qantas, they're not covering fuel costs. They'll have staff. Yeah. They'll have IT, but they don't carry some of the costs of doing business that some of the physical um, uh, physical players in the industry do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost purely leverage to the revenue recovery. Uh, so it looks good uh, for that. We we cover Hello World, so we probably prefer Hello World. Um, but it was a, you know the, the good result took the market by surprise. It can't be ignored. Have analysts put enough growth into the current forecasts? Possibly not. Um, analysts like to upgrade two or three times. So we yeah, I think, mean, obviously um, re- earnings were reported very well um, the other day. So yeah, yeah. Um, of course, saying investors will also take comfort in the healthy cash balance burn and cash flow break even within reach. So that's Circo. Bit of a differing opinion. Both have their preferred stocks in the travel space, as you've just heard. But um, Circo, looking good. All right, Sezzle. That takes us to the lucky last on the list. So. In the BNPL space of sorts, this is for Marge, um, but Sezzle has really got a merchant play in the United States. Uh, we did have um, BNPL to start the week and now being treated as a credit product, essentially. Um, so that did put a bit of pressure on the space to start the week. But um, Sezzle, is there any reason to be in it? No, I can keep this pretty short. I can, but uh, yeah, um, I've said 
12 months ago, I wouldn't buy a Binad Palator stock with my worst enemy's money, and I stand by that, and it's happened. And look, I mean, they they released a pay-in-to product. I mean, surely the marketing department can come up with something a little bit better than that. Um, I, yeah, I don't see... There is so many better quality... Um, yeah, companies out there in this space. Yeah, there's something odd with that data. Let's just get that off the screen. Um, mm. Yeah, so Sezzle is a, a firm no. Yeah, a whole sector of firm avoid. Yeah, I, look, I tend to agree. I mean, it's covered by two brokers. If you believe their price target, it is overwhelmingly cheap. I just think the risks are too high. I, I do think central banks in the US, in Australia, will continue to hike rates until we stop spending You'd have to think in terms of what is discretionary spending, the buy now, pay later. Yes, yeah, some of them are kids who don't work, go to school, mum and dad mm. pay, pay it off anyway. You've got to think we reach a point where the most discretionary of discretionary spend is in the buy now, pay later space. Uh, so it'd it, be the it front line, up. yeah, for so, sure. And sure, a 15 year old student would probably go and buy a t shirt anyway, but eventually it's like, well, where does the buck stop? So it, it might look cheap. It's just not a space you need to be in with rising interest rates. Their cost of business goes up uh, while their, their consumers are getting reduced purchasing power. Inflation will hit the 15 year old as well as it hits the 45 year old. Um, well, we saw that with the Universal Stores downgrade yeah. this week. Yeah, didn't we? that was yeah. really surprising. So, so call that a canary in the coal mine that mm. no one is immune. Even the uh, you know those who don't have debt, don't have a mortgage, yeah. don't have rent. Uh, it's just not cheap enough. It's just not a space you need to look at. And there's a lot of like in the personal finance sector at the moment. There's a lot of fairly decent companies who are just at extraordinarily low prices. So you've you've got your you've got your picks. I, I just don't see. I think a credit product actually. Um, then being classified as a credit product, whilst the market saw that as a bad thing, um, you know what people don't realise is, is that unless they're a credit product, there's no consequences for default. So I think it's actually a good thing for them that there is consequences and so they can go and chase that chase that money up. Um, because they, you know, if if you're not if they're not, uh, it's not going to affect your credit rating to default. Well, you just don't pay it back. Use another service now because everyone's got one now. So, it um, I think that in the long term, being held to those standards and then it, it, you know defaulting the consumer defaulting on it will actually well actually mean that they'll be able to recover far more um, far more money. But you know, mm-hmm. it's. Um, but yeah, the market didn't see that. Well, and an odd announcement coming from Hum today. So it has been ordered to stop taking new customers um, by ASIC in the buy now, pay later space. So it's complying with the requirements of this interim stop order, restricting its ability to provide BNPL products to new customers. So it is working with ASIC to urgently address the concerns that have been brought up in relation to its BNPL um, market determination. So that's so further to our yeah. point. Yeah. I don't think they've also had issues in the UK as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, look, I don't. I've got too many he, he avoids things. his eyes from this sector. I've got too many things to do to be going and researching those. Yeah. <laughs> Not enough staff. So. All right. Oh, I feel you. Okay, let's, um, <laughs> let's just revisit what we've learned so far. So, uh, boy, my notes are a mess today. Altium, it's a hold for both of my guests. Quality company, but it's just, you know, you wouldn't necessarily want to be chasing it at these levels. In the words of Philip Pepe from Sean Partners, Meta Group, both of these guys like this company, all the things going for it. Founder led, still holds a large portion of the company. It has become more expensive, but it is a back foot buy. 
for both of my guests. And Philip says there's no reason to sell your winners. Now, they did get out of it at macro, but they would like to get back in, dying to buy back in, hoping it will get back to $3.84. Remelius, um, look, Mr. Goldbug over here. I'm kidding. (laughs) He's not. He doesn't like gold. Um, ETP. M-A-G. M-A-G is how he's playing silver on behalf of his clients. Um, they do prefer Gold Road as a house. Yeah, as, as a house, Gold yeah, Road's yeah. a preferred in this um, Now, you guys like this one We're as like a house. A, it's mm. a buy um, for Philip Pepe and the team at Sean Partners. Circo, it's a buy for Philip. He really likes the company, although the house would prefer Hello World in that space. Macro Capital, Mark, would prefer corporate travel. Um, but yes, as Circo is showing, um, yeah, uh, you know, some strength there. Sezzle, you just heard them talking about it. No point in going over it. It's a no from both of my guests. And that brings us to the end of this program <laughs> quite nicely on time. I do say so myself. Philip Pepe, we're going to see you a bit later on for the last call. Very you. much looking forward to that. Mark Gardner, you are welcome to come by for a drink if you would like as well. Oh, no we'll pressure. See, see yeah. how I go. <laughs> okay, thanks for today, though. Cheers. Really good to have you both in. Thank great you. conversation and great insights into the companies that you've nominated. So if you'd like to get another one on the program, we're happy to oblige. Ausbiz.co forward slash call picks. Sorry, I got that wrong earlier. Call picks. Or you can tweet to us at Ausbiz TV. Uh, look, thanks for watching and we will see you for the pulse on the other side of this break. <laughs>